0: like so many others. I spent Monday glued to the news, watching the devastating fire of the cathedral of Notre Dame. Europe's finest craftsmen labored for a 100 years to create that magnificent cathedral to the glory of God. It was a treasure trove of history and art. Above all, it was and is a church a, peop- a place where people have worshipped Christ for the centuries. For many Parisians, the Cathedral of Notre Dame is home, a home for the Christian faith, a beacon of Christ that has stood for almost a 1,000 years, a collective feeling of heartbreak. Despair and loss was experienced as bystander- bystanders stood helplessly as a spire atop that cathedral collapsed and went into the raging fire. It stood for 850 years, one of the most beautiful examples of Gothic architecture in the world, and in a single evening, it seemed that all was lost. Nearly 2,000 years earlier, on that first Easter morning, women walked toward the tomb with absolutely no reason for hope. As a week earlier, Jesus had entered into the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to shouts of praise and joy by pilgrims arriving to the holy city. Uh, But by the week's end, Jesus is dead and buried. As far as Jesus' followers were concerned, the week was a total disaster. They had made their home with Jesus. They had devoted their lives to him, to be with him, to learn from him, to be blessed by him and to watch as others were blessed and healed in his presence. Jesus had excited their hopes for the kingdom of God. He gave them reason to believe that God was coming in order to liberate and to show forth his power. But it seemed that all of these hopes that they had, that they had been nailed to a cross. Let's now step into the story in Luke's Gospel of that first Easter morning as women come to the tomb to perform a very important burial ritual. On that first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb But when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you. While he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. In returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Oh Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts may it all be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, we pray that your spirit will break through the familiarity of this story that we too may be amazed. Enliven our faith, we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. <clears throat> Pollen. On that first Easter morning, the grieving women had no reason for hope, but God comes with an infusion of hope to people who are teetering on the edge of despair. A few years back, a fascinating article was published about television personality Larry King, who is apparently fixated on death. The New York Times Magazine interviewer wrote, Sean King, Larry King's seventh wife, told me that Larry talked so much about his demise that he started to upset his teenage sons. And she, Larry's wife, had to tell him to knock it off. Sean said, he kept saying, listen, I'm not gonna be around much longer, boys. Whatever you do, don't let your mother put me in a home. Recently, Larry and Sean met with some insurance and lawyer types to go over their family trust. They were talking about his will and who got what and the tax ramifications. After about 20 minutes, Larry said, wait a minute, I won't be here when this happens. I won't exist. For the emphatically non-religious Larry King can't see how life could possibly end well if it ends in death. Apparently, the now 85-year-old King is working hard to avoid death. The article goes on. King takes four human growth hormone pills every day, and he claims he feels great. But in case of death, King has arranged to have his body frozen and then thawed out when researchers discover a cure for whatever killed him the so-called cryonics approach. King told me later that the people beyond cryonics are all nuts, but at least if he knows he will be frozen, he will die with a shred of hope. Other people have no hope, King said. I think buried deep inside all of us is a longing for hope. A longing to know that there is something to live for and to look forward to beyond our current situation. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are asked and invited to hope again. Only where does our hope come from? Smith Magazine is best known for launching the Six Word Memoir Project. Its tagline is, everyone has a story. This online community provides the power of personal storytelling, and it believes in the power of the short form in particular. The six-word memoir project began with a very simple invitation. Can you tell your life story in six words? Can you distill your life down to six words in order to share what is most important, defining, or noteworthy about you? There are now more than one million six-word stories or memoirs published online. Screenwriter Nora Ephron post Secret of Life, Mary in Italian. Stephen Colbert's six words? Well, I thought it was funny. Some six word stories are poignant. For example, I still make coffee for two. One teen offered, we're the family you gossip about. Wisdom from an eight-year-old, life is better in soft pajamas. (laughs) Priest Catherine Kaimano suggests the six-word story is also a way to get to the essence of faith. We use a lot of words to try to explain the crux of Christianity, yet for all of its complexities and mysteries, All of the mysteries of the Christian faith and all that has been written and shared and spoken and all that will continue to be written and shared and spoken. Christianity has a six-word memoir and it is this, Jesus is risen from the dead. These six words cause Peter to race from the tomb in order to share with others amazed at what has happened. It is these six words that have taken us from a small group of people huddled in fear to a community of over two billion followers around the world. These are the words that are whispered to loved ones beside hospital beds and proclaimed at memorial services. These are the words that have been forbidden by governments, both ancient and current, yet somehow the story is still told. Jesus is risen from the dead. This is the story of the Christian faith. How will these words change your story? How will these words change the story of the world? And do you dare believe them? I'd like to invite us to sit for a few moments with the whole notion of doubt. Many of us live with doubt, the opposite of faith is not doubt, it's unbelieving. This is important to understand because most all of us have both believing and doubting within us at times just like the earliest disciples. Doubt is honest and constructive doubt can lead to faith. The 19th century Danish theologian Soren Kierkegaard suggests that for one to truly believe in God, one would also have to have times of doubting one's faith. For doubt is the rational part of us that weighs evidence, that searches for truth and for light so that a person's faith evidentially has real substance. Doubt as a path toward deeper belief lies at the heart of the story of the Apostle Thomas in the New Testament who needed to see and to touch a resurrected Jesus in order to believe. He acts like a person from the state of Missouri, the show me state. Faith for him is more daunting. Thomas provides a template for all subsequent disciples, like us, who don't get the experience of seeing and touching a resurrected Jesus, and who are challenged to believe. John Ortberg writes, disciples are people who never doubt. They doubt and they worship. They doubt and they serve. They doubt and they help each other with their doubts. They doubt and they practice faithfulness. They doubt and they wait for their doubt to one day be turned to knowing. Friends, the fundamental lines, there's three of us, fundamental lines of evidence that convince us that Jesus rose from the dead. And these three fundamental lines that intertwine together are the following, that the tomb is empty. The testimony of multiple people who saw the, uh, the, the resurrection, testimony from multiple witnesses, and finally, the long-term impact on the lives of Jesus' followers. Jesus ushered in a movement that turned the world upside down, a movement that exploded in the first century because of an empty tomb, And as we learn from all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, laid down together, Jesus' multiple resurrection appearances made to multiple people. One key way, a really important key way, that we know that the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ is not an idle tale. It's because of how the lives of the first disciples were changed. The rapid growth of the early church is unexplainable apart from an empty tomb. However, an empty tomb in and of itself is not a persuasive argument for the resurrection. An empty tomb means the body is not there. The burden of the Christian proclamation was on the experience of the risen Christ by his followers. Most of the early witnesses came to faith in Jesus Christ as the resurrected Lord, not because they could not find his body, but because they found Christ alive. At least nine of the original apostles gave their lives for saying Jesus walked out of a tomb. They insisted to their dying breaths that they had physically seen Jesus bodily raised from the dead. Not a one of them would make a deal with the authorities to save <clears throat> their lives. They went to their deaths telling his story. Prior to the resurrection, Peter lied. to save himself. After the resurrection, he would not deny his allegiance to Christ even to the point of death. Peter was ultimately hung upside down and crucified because he would not recount what he knew to be true. Something real happened that transformed people in a powerful way. We don't know how it happened. But the disciples who were there know that it happened. There was a clear impact on the people who saw this event and they were motivated to then go and spread this amazing news at enormous cost to themselves. 2,000 years later, nothing less than the power of the risen Christ could inspire Christians around the world to remain faithful despite prison, torture, and death, which reminds us to pray for persecuted Christians around the world. Jesus is risen from the dead. That's the thrilling message of Easter, one you can bet your life upon, and to the extent that the resurrection is true for you, it will change everything about your life, your life in the present. Back to the devastating fire of the Cathedral of Notre Dame in that short video that we saw at the very beginning of this worship service of a new song that was being sung by people in the crowd. Declaring beauty and Christ's redemption in the midst of chaos and tragedy. With all of the images that we have seen throughout this week around that fire. Perhaps the most enduring image of the week's tragedy. The fire of the Cathedral of Notre Dame will not be the central spire collapsing and falling into the raging fire, but rather the numerous Parisians on their knees singing songs to the Lord and praying. Because that is the difference that Easter makes. In a world that is often on fire, we declare a new song. Friends, we have a new song to sing. Because of Easter, there is nothing impossible with God. Moreover, we sing together that life triumphs over death. Love triumphs over hatred. Hope triumphs over despair. And suffering will not be the final word. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, it gives life and meaning to everything. There is hope for a better world and a better us. Death does not have the final word and we have new hope in Christ. He is not dead, he is risen. Declare it with me. Christ is risen, he is risen indeed, hallelujah, amen. Pray with me. Oh God, on this Easter Sunday, We thank you for the miracle that our minds can barely comprehend. We are profoundly grateful. Our words fail us today. Profoundly grateful for Christ's victory over death. Lord, as Christ burst forth from the tomb, may new life burst forward from us and show itself in acts of love and healing to a hurting world. Create new faith and trust in us, we pray. Your resurrection is the source of our greatest hope. To you be all praise and glory and honor and gratitude. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen.